Hey everybody, in this episode I'm going to talk about ports, uh, some ports that China owns, what does it look like, what's going on, and why are they doing it. So, if you want to learn a little bit about it, take a listen. Okay, let's talk about China's investment in ports. There's an article here from the GB Times, and it is it's, uh, the information here is mirrored in some other articles I've been reading, but it's more compacted, so I just want to go through this here. In my last podcast, I talked briefly about how China has invested heavily in international ports, so let's go deeper. It says China invests in 42 overseas ports under Belt and Road Project. The Chinese companies Chinese companies have participated in construction and operation of a total of 42 ports in 34 countries under its Belt and Road Initiative, launched five years ago, according to China's Ministry of Transport. These ports include Pyrus Port in Greece, Hambanota Port in Sri Lanka, and Gwadar Port in Pakistan, um, Wuchun. The ministry's uh, spokesperson told a, brief, a press briefing in Beijing on Thursday. Wu said China has also signed 38 bilateral and regional maritime agreements covering 47 countries. So that is 47 countries to do port construction or business with ports um, from China. Um, and it goes on to talk a little bit about the Belt and Road Initiative and things like that. But it's important to note that China has uh, really expanded their um, their presence around the world. And I think that they will continue to do this. In another article by the South China Morning Post, it was uh, written – when was this written? In September of last year. Um, it mirrored very similar numbers – and it also talked about how China has gained a foothold in Europe's three largest ports, um, the Euromax in Rotterdam, the Netherlands, of which it owns 35%, Antwerp in Belgium, in which it holds 20%, and Hamburg, Germany, where it is to build a new terminal. Uh, it says a flood of Chinese investment helped to rejuvenate some of these ports. And then it talked about the previous port I mentioned in Pyrus, Greece, um, where they have made a lot of improvements. It continues, in Israel, China is building two more ports, two new ports in Haifa and Ashdod. Uh, local academics have urged the Israeli government to assess how much China can be involved in its economy without compromising its security interests. And what was interesting is it also talked about how in Sri Lanka, um, the Sri Lanka handed over its port to the Chinese for a 100-year lease. After the, company, after the country was unable to repay its debt. So this is an example of how the Chinese could potentially leverage their construction projects for influence, um, for political control, or just for general control of a country. Now, once again, I'm not saying this is what they'll do, but it is a smart move to have that in the background, right? It's essentially saying, hey – we're going to lend you this money and we're going to build out this uh, – we're going to lend you money to hire us to build out your infrastructure. And if you can't pay us back, then we own it is essentially what could happen. Now, like I said, I, I don't believe that that is what they want to do in every case, okay? And I don't think that 
I just I don't think that's the case, right? I think this is a much I think this is a much more broad strategy that has many different tentacles and many different um, pathways forward. It's not just we want to take control of everything. I think a lot of it has. I think there is elements of control. I think there's also elements of them just wanting to have their own control over their own resources. Right. So if they own ports, if they own roads, if they own, you know, terminals for logistics internationally, then they are less vulnerable to countries cutting them off. And so, like I said, there's this is a multifaceted approach. So, you know, I think this is a smart move on their part. Um, Let me go ahead and pause here and uh, go through some ads and we'll be right back. The article continues to describe how China has embarked on an ambitious drive modeling the U.S. to combine defense and civilian industries in the hope of them benefiting each other. They go on to talk about – they give some examples, and then they go on to talk about how basically the development of these ports can be used first as just civilian uses and then can later be used as um, key points for military build-out and support structure for maritime operations. Right. So the United States, I believe, controls key waterways around the world. Um, And, you know, that's been really good, obviously, especially for us, because it allows us to make sure that trade flows, oil flows, um, things of that nature. And I think a lot of people in the United States do not appreciate this. Uh, We don't understand how our Navy is heavily relied upon to make sure that economic waterways and channels stay open. And China is also trying to do this for themselves, right? So they want to make sure that they cannot be cut off um, economically and militarily from key uh, places around the world. So they are, you know, like I've mentioned, several different places in Germany, the Netherlands, uh, Greece. So they're heavily involved in European ports. They're involved in African ports. They're involved in Middle Eastern ports. And so this is a strategy. Obviously, and in the article, it talks about how it's a civilian first, military later type strategy. So everyone should realize that the uh, Chinese are very patient. Um, Even though they move with speed, they are, at least historically, from what I've researched, read, and experienced, they are patient and they will do what they need to do. They'll do their best to achieve their long-term goals. Uh, They are not as um, crippled or historically have not been as crippled by short-term goals like uh, like we have. Now, I mean, you can get into, you know, their last, of course, the history has been rocky, but it's been, you know, historically their line of thinking is, you know, be patient, take a long-term approach, don't sacrifice long-term gain for short-term gain. Um, And so... This is the strategy that they are taking with the Belt and Road. I have already read in their, I guess, um, one of their main papers and statements on the Belt and Road that they plan on, this is a 30-year project. They don't plan to be finished with it until like 2050. So this is just part of that, right? It's part of building a civilian and military logistical network around the world to improve their economy and improve their military logistics if necessary, right? And then also, hey, 
along the way, if some people default on some debt, well, uh, then the Chinese will also be able to own the, that property. Now, like I said before, I don't think that's their sole goal, but I think it is a, it's a facet of a broader strategy. Okay. So just interesting news there, interesting stuff going on. And uh, I think that's all I got to say for today.